0: Good to see you guys this morning. We are carrying on with our Worthy Living series, uh, Empowered to Honor Jesus. Uh, 2 Thessalonians is where we're at. If you have your Bibles, uh, open up to uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, is where we're going to be. Before we get there, we're going to look at the key verse of 2 Thessalonians. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. A key verse is, So, we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of His call. May He give you the power to accomplish all the good things your Father prompts you to do. Then, the name of our Lord, Jesus will be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. So last week, we looked at verses, uh, the last two verses of chapter 2. Paul has been praying for the readers previously to receive comfort and strength from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Remember, we spent some time on that. The Lord Jesus Christ himself and God the Father. As they do, as these readers do, the good things and say the good things that their faith Prompts them to do. You got all your head around that? If you missed last week, you have to go back and listen to the message. I thought it was good. But I like my preaching. So, in the beginning of chapter three, where we're at today, Paul requests prayer from his readers. Last week he prays for his readers. This week he's asking them to pray for him. We all together. I titled this this morning: "Prayer for Evangelism." Uh, we'll get back to that later. I'll explain it. You're, you'll. You'll. I'm not going to explain it. Actually, you just hopefully will see that it all. This is kind of comes under the heading of prayer for for evangelism. The first part, number one, is Paul's request. If you have a bulletin, you have the outline there. You can make yourself some notes. Hopefully, there's some good things that you want to write down and take away from from, uh, what you hear this morning as we study God's Word. Just saying, you know, we study God's Word, maybe there's something you should listen to and write down and remember that, maybe apply it to life. Number one, Paul's request. So he's going to make a couple of requests. Paul asked the believers uh, at Thessalonica to pray for him, for Timothy, for Silas, for Paul's entourage as he's traveling and ministering the Word of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 is where we're starting. Finally, no, I'll just stop right there. Uh, what he's doing is he's introducing the last section of 2 Thessalonians. He's not coming to an end. All right? It's typical preacher ending. It's like, finally, point number three, and you're all like, oh, finally, we're gonna leave. No, you're not. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. Paul is typical preacher, finally, he's just this marks the last third of the book, okay? He's a long ways from done. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Now, here's what we're going to do. Paul, he requests prayer for Two things in this passage or in this verse. First, he requests prayer for the rapid spread and honor of the Lord's message. A very literal translation of this would be: pray that the Lord's message, picture this in your head, the Lord's message may run and be glorified. I like that. If I was writing a translation, I would I would just go with as literal as possible. Of course, it gets lost because you don't think of like the Bible standing up and running anywhere. That doesn't make any sense. But, but I like the picture. Pray that the Lord's message may run and be glorified. Got, got that? Paul's request is that the gospel message may spread quickly and be received effectively, as effectively as it was in Thessalonica. Paul is first and foremost, he is a missionary. He's an evangelist. He wants to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not just know the story of Jesus, but to actually put their faith in Jesus and to believe in him for the forgiveness of their own sins and for their salvation. Does that make sense? Paul is. I'm going kind of fast because we're, we're headed to the good part, so stay with me. Paul is also living under the assumption, at that point in time, because of the other text that we've been reading, Paul is also living under the assumption that Jesus' return could happen at any moment. So Paul wants as many people as possible to hear the gospel and to believe as quickly as possible. He's talked about before, the the man of lawlessness is going to reveal himself. Jesus is going to come back with a trumpet and the voice of an archangel. We need to get the message out so that people will be ready for whenever Jesus comes back. This is not a time to dawdle. It's a good word, huh? I like the way you're looking at me. So, the spread of the gospel message needs to happen sooner rather than later. And Paul understands that this is not a task that he does all on his own. He recruits his fellow believers at Thessalonica... To pray for his evangelism team. To cooperate with the Holy Spirit so that Paul is not laboring or ministering under his own strength or power. But he is working in cooperation with the Lord Jesus Christ himself in spreading this message of salvation. There's a lot going on there, right? great 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 prayer prayer for evangelism now we tend to live with the assumption because we live in america and we're a christian nation right we tend to live with the assumption that everyone we know already knows the lord's message but i kind of doubt that that is true Many may be familiar with a television version of the gospel, or they may be familiar with a third-party interpretation of Christianity, like this is what grandma told me, this is what grandpa told me, this is what I've heard from my friends and family about Christianity. But very few have heard... That Jesus, the Son of God, has died for the forgiveness of their sins and has called them out of darkness into the light to live a transcendent life, a life that is worthy of God's kingdom and to be God's children and to live for the glory of God. Few have heard that. America did it this last, I kind of said it like a... Redneck, didn't I? America did it this last week. (laughs) Tragedy struck. And people all over our country who normally ignore God, who have little or no knowledge of the biblical God, and who live far away from obedience to God, they gathered to pray to that God for the victims of the shooting in Las Vegas. Uh, some of you are just, you're cringing, aren't you? Because you don't know where I'm going. I love it. I'm just going to wait and let the awkwardness simmer. <laughs> Please understand, I am glad that they pray. At least they acknowledge God. However, in that event, reveals that the perception of God The God of the Bible, the Christian God, the perception of God in America to the majority of Americans is that, listen carefully, is that God is ignorable. (laughs) The God that we just sang about, the great I am, where we all just about got raptured, at least I did. I don't know what you guys are doing. The great I am is ignorable. He's ignorable until we summon him to come and comfort those who are sad. That is our American perception of God. The great I am, the Lord Jesus Christ. We summon him when we need him or as even happened this last week, to we summon him to question why he is so impotent to stop those things from happening. We call him up to comfort us. We call him up to belittle him, to judge him. And that's as far as our understanding of God the Father, the great I am, Jesus the Son of God is. Americans, generally speaking, are clueless as to who the God of the Bible really is. What they do not know, what they have not had the chance to understand, is that the Lord Jesus Christ himself wants to set people free from the sinful nature that causes this kind of Of tragedy. Do you follow what just happened? Jesus doesn't want to be called in after the fact to be a security blanket, to be everybody's teddy bear. Jesus is present himself. That's what we've been studying. He is waiting for people to respond in faith and obedience to him so that he can deliver them from the effects of sin, so that he can deliver them from the chaos that sin causes. God is proactive. He is not reactive. Paul understands People need Jesus. Pray for the gospel to spread rapidly. Pray for it to to spread effectively so that God is glorified in this. And here we are 2,000 years later, and we still need to be praying the same prayer because Americans do not know the God of the Bible. The true message of salvation through Jesus needs to be spread Rapidly and be honored in America. Approximately 53,000 people in the greater Farmington area need to hear an effective presentation of the Lord's message. Dude, we thought our evangelism was done. We live in a Christian nation. We live in Farmington, New Mexico, largely conservative, and we equate conservatism with being Christian. And it's not necessarily true. Approximately 53,000 people in the greater Farmington area need to hear an effective presentation of the Lord's message. And they're your neighbors. They're your coworkers. They're people that you rub shoulders with. They may be your family. The Lord Jesus is coming back with a trumpet and a shout. Have we spread the Lord's message rapidly and effectively? It's going to happen. As believers, our job is to unite ourselves, first of all, in prayer that's what's happening here paul says hey believers at thessalonica we are out working to spread the gospel to the very best of our ability but we need you to pray for us that god will intervene and make the our our efforts effective We are only going to reach the 53,000 people in the greater Farmington area when, as believers, we unite in prayer for, number one, the rapid spread of the gospel, and number two, that the gospel message would be honored. Church, we have our prayer assignment. We have something significant we need to be praying for. Being a light in this community begins with us praying to God the Father, saying, Lord, Use me in this harvest field that is white and ready for harvest. Before you come, make my words count. Give me something good to do. Give me something good to say. Give me something. Give me yourself so that that I can shine the light of Jesus Christ to those around me so that they will want to serve you and know you and glorify you. Good preaching, Brett. Yeah, it is. Paul's second prayer request is verse two. He says, Pray to that we will be rescued, everyone say, rescued, Rescued. from wicked and evil people, for not everyone is a believer. I'm with you, Larry. (laughs) That's kind of funny. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Good job. We didn't realize that not everybody's believers out there. Paul is living this firsthand. Uh, sometimes we, we, we fall on either side depending on what's on the news. It's like, oh, it's so hard for Christians today. And then other times it's like, oh, it's so easy for Christians today. And we don't really know where we're at. We're, we're confused is what we are. But the fact of the matter is not much has changed in 2,000 years. Paul is living this Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they went to Thessalonica. They presented the gospel, and they ended up getting chased out of town. I mean, that hasn't happened to any of us this week, has it? No, or last week or last year. It didn't happen. The gospel of Jesus Christ has not always been readily received. It just is not. Wicked, evil people have always fought against the spread of the gospel, and they fought against those who want to spread it. So it's no big, no big news flash that, that uh, there is oppression against Christians. It's duh, right? Paul is dependent. He recognizes, he knows there's going to be evil people fight against him. There's going to be people fighting against the gospel. So Paul understands his limitations as a man, he is dependent upon God to rescue them. He says, hey church, pray for us that we will be rescued, that we'll be safe from these evil people. Now, remember what kind of man Paul was before he was saved? You to think for a second? This is not a man you want to scrap with. He was a bad dude. Paul was aggressive. He was out there hunting down Christians before he was saved, threatening to drag them back to Jerusalem to kill them. I think that if, if Paul wanted, he could physically defend himself pretty well. But watch what happens here. I like this. Love this. Because we, all, we always have this proclivity in our, you know, at the, mid, at, the, at the center of me is who? No, me. Not Larry. Me. At the center of me is me. Right? And so we want to protect me. And so Paul, in this prayer, he's saying, Lord, I've given you my life. You rescue it. You do what you want with it because Paul is focused like a laser. He could go fight that fight, but that's not what God has called him to do. Mm-hmm. Paul could defend himself, but that's not the job that God has given him. Paul is focused like a laser. His life is consumed with the need to share the good news of Jesus. Listen, salvation is the objective. Not just protecting your own skin. Paul is trusting God to protect him. Because Paul is busy with the much more important task of salvation sharing the gospel with those who have never heard it before. So I speak for myself when I say it's very easy to become so focused on the preservation of self in our families that we lose sight of our mission. Our mission as a church is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. And Larry, if you move away, no one's going to know the purpose statement. <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> we say it every Sunday. And when we start, people are like, uh, Desert Heights exists too. <laughs> to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We have a mission. God, Paul, Paul is trusting God to take care of him. Pray that God will rescue us. We can, we, we can, we should trust God to take care of us as well um, so that we can focus our attention and our efforts on what is more important. The rapid and effective spread of the gospel message. Does that make sense? Amen. Number two, there's Paul's prayer request. Number two, Paul's confidence. What, what is Paul's confidence in? We have Paul, Silas, and Timothy. They're working to spread the gospel, but these wicked and evil people are hindering them from doing their work. And then, then we come to the next verse. We're going to get there in a second. And he says, he says, but or however, it's in. In contrast, um, uh, what, are you, what, what you are about to see in this text, As we, we I'm going to get there in a second, Paul requests prayer for the things that Paul already knows God is doing. You have to file that in your brain, get your brain around it, and then we're going to explain it here in a second. Paul is requesting prayer for things that Paul already knows God is doing. Does that... I'm not asking you if the principle makes sense, but you understand what's fixing to happen? Just look at me blankly. That's fine. Paul is not expecting prayer. I'm going to mess with your theology here. Some of you are going to just fall apart. (laughs) Paul is not expecting this prayer to change anything. What, Brent? I'm finding a different church. Heretic. (laughs) Paul is not expecting... Prayer to change anything. Prayer is the tool for focusing, everyone say focusing, our attention on God instead of focusing on the problem. (laughs) I like that. Uh, In this text... I just have this big picture of people, and they're, they're wielding prayer around like a sword. I'm going to change everything with prayer. I prayed, so now it has to change. And we're changing the world by praying, and God's saying, stop focusing on the problem. Look up here. Look up here. Look up here. <laughs> Remember, that was three amigos Anyways, it was... Thank you, Kristen. It was hysterical. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. <laughs> No, we're we're just beating the dog out of the devil and Jesus is hanging on the cross saying, hello, up here, I'm here, look at me. Paul's confidence is in God to rescue us is my point. Here we go with the text of verse three. He says, but the Lord is faithful. Contrast, he said, rescue us from these evil, bad people, but the Lord is faithful. See, Paul already knows He's like, this is like having an ace in the hole. I, mean, I don't know what that means, but I've heard it used that way. I think that's, is that the right euphemism? It's not dirty, is it? Okay. The check and make sure. I grew up in a pastor's home. There's a lot of euphemisms. I don't know what they mean, so I'm careful. I'm not as careful as I should be. Every once in a while, my teenagers are like, Dad, I don't think that means what you think it means. Okay. Paul says, I pray, I want you guys to pray for our rescue. However, the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. And we are confident in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things that we commanded you. I I really get excited about this. Paul says... Pray for the rapid spread of the gospel and pray for us to be rescued from these evil people. And then Paul says, but you and I know, because we know Jesus, you and I know before we even pray for safety and for rescue, you and I know, because we've seen it before, that the Lord is faithful you read the psalms david he's just out there on a hill and whenever he runs out of other things to sing about he just says that the lord is faithful forever and ever and ever and then he gets inspired and he sings the lord is faithful forever and ever and ever he's like i know i got a third verse the lord is faithful forever and ever and ever because he knows that god's gonna come through the lord is faithful so we we get all panicky lord rescue us But we know that the Lord always takes care of his own. So we get all wound up about praying, but the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is the reason we pray to God is because we are confident in God. Make a t-shirt, that's good. I'm gonna have to tweet that. I almost said twit that, but that means something different. Yeah. I don't know where I'm at in my notes, so uh, Paul says, but you and I know, because we've seen it, the Lord is faithful. You and I know, you and I know that the Lord himself will strengthen and guard you from the evil one. Do you follow that? You and I, because we we have the, the luxury of the New Testament scriptures, we know that the Lord himself that we learned about last week will strengthen us and he will guard us from the evil one. There's no reason for us to live in fear of Satan or or what, what is going on. We live with our confidence in God. We're confident in the Lord. Paul knows those that that he knows that those hearing the message and doing and saying the good things that Paul had previously instructed them to do, to live in a life, to live a life worthy of God's calling uh, them into his kingdom and for his glory. In short, we are praying, we are praying, asking from the Lord what we know the Lord has already done, or is at the very least, He's already doing. Wrap your head around that? Isn't that cool? We don't pray saying, oh, I hope that that God takes care of my kids because I'm just not sure about it. (laughs) That's not a prayer of faith. The prayer of faith is, I know that my God will take care of me. I know that my God will take care of my family. So, Lord, I'm praying and I'm asking you, because I'm focusing all of my attention upon you. I'm focusing my confidence in you. I'm asking you to take care of my kids. Brendan's out hunting today, out roaming around in the forest, probably without a GPS, but he does have a rifle (laughs) with one of the other teenagers. At some point, you say... God, you've got this. I'm just going to go preach. Lord, help him shoot an elk. <laughs> Number three, here we go. Paul's Hope. I actually, uh, I Paul's Hope. I actually turned off um, the Wi-Fi on my, my iPad because if Brendan texts me while I'm preaching and he says he shot an elk, we will just pray and I'm out of here because I'm, <laughs> I'm headed to go help him get an elk out of the forest. All right. Uh, anybody that wants to go with me, it'll be fun. We'll stop at uh, El Bruno's on the way. Uh, oh, hallelujah! <laughs> like, wait, do we have to wait for an elk to be down? <laughs> what are we doing? Hour and a half to El Bruno's. We'll be there by one. Focus, you guys. Man, you're wasting my sermon time. Number three, Paul's hope. Paul's hope. <laughs> We started a tradition. It has nothing to do with my message, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. Brennan and Hunt for you, for you guys that are hunters. Five B's. Where he likes to hunt. Uh, and the first time we went, we were coming back. It was lunchtime. Uh, we had been eating, you know, hunting food. So we'd been living like on granola bars and uh, water for three days. And so, you know, we're coming into Cuba, and it's like, man. El Bruno's. So then the second year, it's like, well, we did it last year. We ought to do it this year. And then the third year, he actually shot an elk on opening day. And it's like, if we could hurry and get this back to the truck, we could be to El Bruno's for lunch and home, never even unpack the groceries. Like, oh, man, I'm on that. It's good. That's, that's good. That's a good hunt whenever you go to El Bruno's. It's even better if you shoot an animal. All right. <clears throat> Paul's Hope. I'm excited about him, what he's doing. Anyway. Focus, you guys. Boy, you guys are distracting. Uh, Paul's attention turns to things of more eternal value, and he prays for the reader again. Uh, Last week, he prayed for the reader. Now he's back praying for the reader again. Uh, This is really where it applies to us, so so we're going to go a little slower now. I'm going to slow down just a little bit. Verse 5, he says, May the Lord lead your hearts. May the Lord Jesus Christ himself from before, right? May the Lord Jesus Christ Himself lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the love of God and the patient endurance that comes from Christ. That's beautiful. That is just excellent. Excellent, excellent. Two characteristics of the triune God That believers need to be equipped with. You and I need to be equipped with. Then, when Paul wrote this letter to the believers in Thessalonica, and now to the believers who are reading this today, both then and now, we all need to be taking on, equipping ourselves with these two characteristics of the triune God. I'm not sure I made that clear, but I'm going to keep going. The first characteristic of God... That Paul prays for, he says, "May the Lord lead your hearts." There, there, again, we have this picture of what God is doing in us. Did you picture it in your little your imagination? Okay, may the Lord Himself lead your hearts into a full understanding and expression of the Lord of the love of God. God understands that He has commissioned you and. In, in me to bring a message of hope, the the Lord's message that contradicts this chaotic world. He knows that. So the first order of business for us believers is that we fully understand. Everyone say fully understand, fully understand. that we fully understand the love of God, and that then we actually express. The love of God. Just wait until you get it. Yeah, there you go. All right. We understand it fully, and then we begin to express it. It's what I talked about last week, is that the, the, the gospel message, this relationship with God, is not all in our heads. It's not all academic. It is our hearts. It's our soul. It's consuming. It's all of us. He wants us to understand it, but then he also wants us to live a life that expresses the love of God. We need to understand God's love. God must work that out in our understanding inside of you and me. Understanding the character of God's love comes largely from being in a right relationship with God. Understanding... The character of God's love comes from being in a right relationship with God. And as we understand the nature of God's love more fully, then love is expressed in our lives. Now, kind of an illustration, when I am around people from Texas, and they have a strong Texas accent... Uh, I pick it up. So whenever my parents lived in Amarillo, we'd go visit them. And if I was there for three or four days, I would come back and Diane would tell me, it takes you about three days to stop being Texan because I pick up this accent and I can't just do it right now. That would be funny, Uh, but I can't do it. But when I'm around people with a Texas accent, then I begin to talk like a Texan, like say America. (laughs) Is that how Texans talk? I don't know. If I hang around a person for a while, if you hang around a person for a while, if you hang around a person for a while, you begin to express yourself similar to the way they express themselves, right? Have you ever hung around with somebody new for a little while and you catch yourself using their words or, or waving your hands like they do or whatever? You just You pick up things because we're highly relational people. So we pick up things via relationship. How do you pick up the love of God? By reading the Ten Commandments and putting it on Facebook, telling everybody they're a bunch of dummies for not doing the Ten Commandments. No, that's not it at all, believe it or not, moron. You, you become, you understand the love of God, and you express the love of God by being with God. I did that intentionally, by the way. I'm not 14 years old and my voice is cracking. Yeah, If you want to be like God, you spend time with God, and you understand His love, and then you express His love. Makes sense. May the Lord lead your hearts. I just love the picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's a great shepherd, and He's got our heart. He's got my heart anyway, and He's leading me to a full understanding and full expression of His incredible love. That's just a great picture, right? That's good. So second characteristic is the patient endurance that comes from Christ. I just want to kind of bring up a side note. Uh, we don't have Lord. We don't have Jesus here. Jesus would be just the name of, of Jesus. Lord is a title. Christ tends to be a title, an Old Testament throwback to Messiah. In the Old Testament, we use the word Messiah, and in the New Testament, we use the word Christ. And so whenever he says the patient endurance that comes from christ we are talking about the spiritual significance of the messiah he's not setting the standard down here be patient like jesus was patient that would be very patient he's saying be patient as the messiah the one who gives his life for everybody it's a whole different standard It's not a whole different standard but the emphasis is on the christ part Does that make sense okay first off christ is the source Christ is the source of our patient endurance. We have to be connected to to Christ in order to have His patient endurance. We see Christ's patient endurance on the cross because He endures the cross. Patient endurance is not simply enduring uncomfortable uncomfortable situations for no purpose. No... Patient endurance is taking us someplace wonderful. Patient endurance is taking us someplace. Jesus patiently endured the cross because he's taking us to the forgiveness of sin and salvation and to live with him in heaven forever and ever with our Father. It's going somewhere. Our patient endurance is not because, well, we're just doing this just because. We're Christians, and so we have to just suffer for Jesus. It's so hard. No, 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 no. We patiently endure the present circumstances, whatever they may be, in hope of spending eternity in the kingdom of God. You see, we have a hope. We have a reason for our patient endurance. We're not in a rush. We're not going anywhere Unless Jesus comes back and takes us somewhere. I talked about this a little bit last week. This is what the world does. Whenever you're looking at this moment, and this moment is going sideways, you have good reason to panic. When you're looking at eternity, and that God has got the the beginning, and he's got the end. So much that he named his son the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's so confident that he has the entire timeline in his hand. No worries. God's got this. We read the end of the chapter. We know how it ends. Is there a reason for panic? No. (laughs) We already got the answer book. We're going to pass this test because Christ is here. Just love that. That's so awesome. We are to effectively spread the gospel and it will, and, and it be honored. Well, watch. Uh, for us, let me back up, blah, blah, blah. That was rewind. For us to effectively spread the gospel and it be honored or be received with respect, two things need to happen. I'm qualifying this. Not, I'm not. Scripture did. I'm just pointing it out to you. For us, for you and I, to effectively spread the gospel to the 53,000 people in the greater Farmington area, for us to spread the gospel and for it to be honored. Have you ever heard somebody say, I've listened to a TV preacher, I went to church one time, I knew a pastor one time, I'm never going back? There is a difference when people hear the gospel and honor it, and when they hear the gospel and have no use for it, okay? So, In order for us to effectively spread the gospel and it be honored, for it to be respected, two things need to happen. Paul just gave them to us. One, the world needs to experience the fullness of God's love in believers. And two, believers must patiently endure the chaos of this world. We cannot present an effective testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ if we are unloving and impatient. If I gave in the offering, I'd ask for my money back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't want to put any ideas. This is a the reason there's a lock on those boxes. <laughs> in the event of a bad sermon, you're just out of luck. No refunds. <laughs> yeah, church, the responsibility is on us. God communicated the gospel highly relational. He gave us the instruction book. We could just fire it off to everybody, but they they don't understand it. They need to see. They need to feel the love of God from a believer that Christ is present in. They need to see a person who can be patient when they have every reason in the world to be impatient. What is wrong with you? The world is falling apart, and you're just standing there. Mm hmm God's got this, I don't, neither do you, acting like a crazy person. God wants you to fully and completely understand and experience His love. God has also chosen you to be His vessel to express His love in this chaotic world, which requires the patient endurance of Christ in us. It's like this big circle that God created It's like, I chose you to be my vessel. I'm going to put my love in you. I'm going to put my patience and endurance in you by virtue of Christ Jesus. I'm going to equip you to do the job I called you for. And then Jesus is coming back, and it's all going to be wonderful. That is God's plan for reaching the world with the Lord's message. That his love be be full, that you fully understand his love, that you express his love, and that you're patient in the world. That is God's plan. Like, well, Britt, I thought that God's plan for reaching the world was that radio program we have. Nope, that's just for fun. God uses you. I think that the radio program is cool, and I'll tell you how that fits into the big picture now that I made a joke and you're like, I gave $50 for that, punk. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to go pick the lock. no, no, no. No, no. Here's what is happening. I visit with people often. I love to know what draws people to, to desert heights. Why do you come here? They tell me it's, it used to be very singular. People would make a decision because they are coming to Farmington. And 14 years ago, the answer was, I was flipping through the phone book. I saw your awesome graphic, and they would see just teaching Jesus. Was the draw. That was the hook. They would see just teaching Jesus and they'd be, oh, I have to see what that's about. Some crazy guy. And so they would come from just teaching Jesus in the phone book. I know for all of us that are 40 and younger, we don't know what a phone book is. <laughs> so then very soon after that, it was, how did you find Desert Heights? And they're like, we were on the internet looking for a church and we found your awesome web- website. And that's how we came to come to Desert Heights. Very singular phone book, uh, the, the website. Now, people will tell me, we heard it on the radio, or they drove by the building, uh, or they Googled us on the, they found us on the website. Nobody finds us in the phone book anymore. Uh, we still have an ad, but nobody finds us there. Uh, but it's always one of those things, and somebody I know invited me. Now, sometimes people, you will invite somebody, invite somebody, invite somebody. And they're like, no, 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 no. And then they drive by Arby's and they're like, oh, there's a new building right next to Arby's. It's a joke because that's how we are, right? We drive around town for 40 years, don't see a building. Then all of a sudden we're like, did they just put that old building up? No, it's been there. You just didn't see it. so, so somebody invites them, then they drive by, or they, they hear us on the radio, or they come across the West. It's always coupled with some warm body saying, you need the Lord Jesus Christ. Come visit my church. They don't say it like that. That would be weird. <laughs> come visit my church with me. Come drink coffee with me. It's a great group of people. Because God created the, the His plan for redemption and sharing the message of Jesus Christ is highly relational. You will not effectively live a life that honors Jesus or that testifies to the world that the salvation of God uh, about the salvation of God until you are filled with God's love and express God's love and patiently endure the circumstances of your current life. This is how we shine the light of Jesus. It's not not real difficult, but it's impossible unless we have Christ in us. Reaching people with the life-giving message of Jesus. Evangelism begins, listen to me carefully, evangelism begins with prayer. It begins with our trusting that God will lead our hearts to His love and His patient endurance. And when we live a transformed life, because I tell you what, if you're living in His love and His patient endurance, you are living a transformed life, then the world will be attracted to Jesus in your life. God did that. That's why we pray for evangelism. It's not just go and start telling people about Jesus. It's about praying for God to transform our hearts so that we can reach other people for His glory. Now, Uh, I want to pray, but we're not dismissed because there's one other very important thing I want to do this morning. Let's bow our heads together and pray about our message this morning, and then we have an important task. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that, that you are the one who guides our hearts, that you guide our hearts into a full understanding of your love, that you guide our hearts to expressing your love, and Lord, that you put Christ in us so that we can exemplify your patient endurance. Lord, I I pray that this scripture will come alive in our lives. Lord, that we won't just hear this and be like, ah, that was a great sermon, and then forget about it. But Father, you will put it in us to live this. I believe with all my heart, you put Desert Heights Church in this community to reach out to the 53,000 people that don't have a relationship with you so that we would shine the light and the love, the patient endurance of Jesus Christ to them so that they would come to know you. Father, I pray that you would use us, transform our hearts so that our lives glorify you. Express yourself in us. Father, we want to live a transcendent life so that you will be glorified so that we live a life that is worthy of the calling that you have on our lives. Father, I just thank you for this church. I thank you for this great group of believers. Continue to grow us into the fullness of Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.